swans came and then they went up again. Um, congratulations, Nelson Ruth. I, I found a story which I thought you'd quite like. Uh, a woman accompanied her husband to the doctor's office. After, after his checkup, the doctor called the wife into his office alone. He said, your husband is suffering from a very serious disease combined with horrible stress. If you don't do the following, your husband can, could die. Each morning, fix him a healthy breakfast, be pleasant, and make sure he's in a good mood. For lunch, fix him, fix him a nutritious meal. For dinner, prepare him an especially nice meal for him. Don't burden him with chores. Don't discuss your stress. This will probably make him feel worse. If you can do this for at least 10 months to a year, I think your husband will start to regain his health completely. So on the way home, the husband asked his wife, what did the doctor say to you? And her reply was, you're going to die. <laughs> so, uh, so good morning. So as I, was, as I was thinking about this morning, I, I was thinking about the story of God in our lives, and that as followers of Jesus, we're called into a journey of ongoing faith, no matter what comes our way. And so I wanted to talk to us about our backstory. And some of you, some of you have come for the first time today, and so today we want to tell you a bit of our backstory in the church. Uh, I don't know about you, we all love a good drama or a film or a soap or a series, don't we? we uh, and the best writers create a backstory to the characters, to each of the characters. And the backstory is the story that leads up to the story. Uh, how many of us remember Friends? Yeah, every time it's on, we can go back, no matter what, how many times we've watched it. And over the years, as, we, as we've seen in the different series, uh, we, you're taken back to their teenage years or at college and all the kind of mishaps and all the things that they got up to. But what the writers, they don't reveal everything at episode one, do they? They don't reveal everything about the character. character. Um, but the backstory is, it's who, what makes these people who they are? Um, what have they been through? What are some of the traumas? What are their motivations? What, what's happened in their lives to make them the way they are today? And I think it's a bit like us. We've all, all of us here have got this backstory. And um, the good news is that God knows your story. God knows your backstory. Uh, and the good news is that he's really good. And uh, can I say this as well? You're the apple of his eye. Uh, whether you believe it or not. And even me saying that, because of some of our backstory, because some of our experiences or the way we've been brought up or our past, even me saying some of that, some of you might question, I don't know whether I believe that or not. I don't know quite if I believe that God's good, whether he's the apple of my eye, whether he actually likes me. Uh, but I want to just say, he's invested, he's been invested in your backstory, and he's invested in your future story, and he wants to help you and guide you and strengthen you for whatever, whatever comes, whatever lies ahead. Uh, and to this story, being a follower of of Jesus is this invitation to a story, to a bigger story. And becoming a follower of Jesus is entering into a story. And so when I came to faith, I was about 16 or 17, 
it felt, it felt like for me, I was, I was entering into a story that began long before me. Uh, and at the same time, it felt like a story had come into me, it had entered me. And many of us have, have experienced that. And my new sort of church community, who'd been part of the story for a longer time than I had, helped me grapple with some of the things about the story. Help me understand the story. Help me, and even to find a voice, to even sort of talk about my questions, the things that I wasn't sure about, what was true, what was God-like. And, and for me, it felt like it, I'd been recreated. And for many of us, it's been a, like a journey. It's been a long-term recreate. And we're still in, we're always kind of being recreated all the time. But for me, it felt like that as I'd begun this new journey of following Jesus. Uh, I used to work in prisons, uh, running all kinds of programs. And one, one of the programs we ran was a restorative justice program for inmates serving long-term sentences. And we would help men involved in gang crime, in uh, all kinds of drugs and crime, uh, murder, all kinds of mishaps. <laughs> or maybe not. Um, and the idea was we would help them see a different story of their future story because of what they've done in their past for some, of, for some of them and for some of us, things that have happened in the past have dictated their future. Because they've done this, they, they're destined to do, to do that again and again. And so through these programs, we would go in and just spend time, lots and lots of time with these guys, talking about their di a different story. Uh, and we would spend time looking at words like restoration. What does restoration mean? Uh, and other re-words like revive. Repair, repent, return, you get the message, return, restore, recreate, and more. And so it was a, it was a Christian-based project, but we wanted to do more than just get people to cross the line of salvation. We wanted to, get pe we wanted to do more than just get people into the club. We wanted to do more than just get them to pray the prayer and, oh, phew, they've crossed the line, that's okay. Um, and sometimes we've reduced the story of God to uh, a salvation story. It just, it's something that you've got to do once, and then if you, if you pray, pray hard enough, if you tend a small, if you're a proper Christian, you'll go to a small group. Um, but it's rather than a living story. Um, so my, my what well, I do know that this story of Jesus is, is more, more than a morality story. Uh, I believe it's an invasion of another reality into, into your life. And, and Jesus calls us to enter into a story. Do you remember his prayer for the, the followers of Jesus was, let your kingdom come. You pray to God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Today, we're praying and we're demonstrating what heaven's like on the earth, what the story of heaven wants for earth now. It's not just, oh, I've crossed the line, I'm going to heaven. It's actually, what can we do to bring heaven to earth now? And so Jesus, he calls us to, to enter the story. And you've only got to look back at, you've got, only got to look at the life of Jesus to, to see his ministry model, to realise we're called out. We're called out. Uh, you've only got to look at the kinds of people that Jesus ministered to to give us our model of ministry. Most of Jesus' ministry wasn't in a religious building. It was out. It was out in the, in the community. 
And I, lo- I don't know about you, but I love reading the encounters that Jesus has with different people in, in Scripture. And I ask myself, why did the Holy Spirit inspire those stories to be in the Scriptures? Uh, and it's estimated that the, you know, clever people, uh, uh, theologians, another clever, clever people, have estimated that Jesus probably healed over 100,000 people in those short three and a half years of his ministry. And there are 31 individual stories in the gospel, and about 20 sort of mass healing events that, that occur. So I ask myself, why out of 100,000 people, let's say, that Jesus healed, why is it those 31? What is it about that sto- those stories? Why did the Holy Spirit inspire them? And so whenever we read the Bible, we're asking God, what, what was going on at the time? So what's the context at the time? What's, why was it there at the time? Why did, that, why did God you put those stories and those passages there? But also we're asking God, what do you want to speak to me today? What do you want to tell me today? And most of the stories in the Gospel where Jesus met people individually, whether he instigated them or whether it was just by accident, I, I just want to propose it was people that society had excluded. It was people that were marginalised, that were on the edge. And so I asked the Holy Spirit, why are you trying to tell us that? You've inspired these stories of people on the edge, the way that Jesus ministered. Why is that in there? What do you want to say to us today? And I believe that Jesus, he broke down and disturbed all kinds of societal obstacles in order to get close to people that felt excluded. In order that people, so he could get really, really close. And even his stories, or the parables as they're called, it shook people's theology of God. Because it, it told, it, these stories that, that Jesus spoke about, it changed people's idea about what God was like. Actually, he was good. He, he loved people. and he, was, he wanted to get close. He was the father that wanted to get close. And I, I sometimes imagine him having this glint in his eye as he confronts like, the religious leaders. Because he sees the prize. He sees the last, the lost, and the least becoming and being given freedom, dignity, and respect in this kind of closeness. And so, uh, we have, this is a proper church, we have got some Bible reading. Um, and so, uh, I felt, I'm sorry, we should read this, in 1 John 5, uh, and the words are going to come up on the screen, fantastic. Um, and so let's, let's just read this. And it's just the, the, te- like the testimony of God is the story of Jesus. That's my message today, David. What God is saying about what's, what's his testimony, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus, and God is pointing us to Jesus. So, here we go. So, Jesus Christ was born as we are, and he died on the cross. Just, and he wasn't just born as we are, he also died on the cross. The Holy Spirit is a truthful witness about him. That's because the Spirit is the truth. There are three that are witnesses about Jesus. They are the Holy Spirit, the birth of Jesus, and the death of Jesus. All three of them agree. We accept what people say when they are witnesses. But it's more important when God is a witness. That's because it's what God says about his son. Whoever believes in the son of God accepts what God says about him. Whoever does not believe, God is calling him a liar. That's because they have not believed what God has said about his son. Here is what God says about his son. God has given us eternal life. And this life is found in his son. Whoever belongs to the Son has life. Whoever does not belong to the Son does not have life. I'm writing these things so that 
you who believe in the name of the Son of God, I'm writing so that you will know that you have eternal life. And so at the core of God's heart for humanity is this compassion towards the poor. It's this compassion to tell the story of God to those who don't know God. Uh, and the whole idea of providence, so today we're collecting for, for the refugees in, in all, all, over, all over Europe. In scripture, poverty is mentioned more than 2,000 times. There is more in scripture about loving the poor than any other subject. You'll, you'll see. Uh, in the Bible, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, God says to the people, the people of God represented here on earth, to, to care for the poor. And as a, vi as a vineyard church, we, it's in our, I guess in our genes, in our DNA as a vineyard church, to care and be compassionate towards the poor. Um, but just want to sort of turn it around a little bit. How many of you know that you can be materially poor and rich spiritually? Mm -hmm. uh, and many of us know people who are materially poor, but just there's something in them that are they're rich. They carry more than just their the material. Or, or flip it the other way around. We know people that are materially rich but spiritually poor. And so we might ask ourselves, well, Jesus, what group do we go for? What people group do we go for? Do we go for the do we go for the poor who might be spiritually rich? Or do we go for the rich who might be spiritually poor? Which one is it, Jesus? Do we do we collect clothes for Cali? Or do we put on cream teas for ones of Billy? Yeah, ones of Common. <laughs> Which is it? Which is it? And I imagine Jesus just saying, Yeah. Do that. Yeah, do that. Um, and again, we sometimes have this camp. Do we save their souls or send them clothes? Which one is it, Jesus? And, and again, Jesus is just saying, yes, do that. Um, and I just want to say, some of you have been specifically called amongst the materially rich. Some of you have been called to uh, organisations and to, to create culture change in your sphere of influence, in your workplaces, even in the, even in the nations you've been, you've been called to. Um, and others of us have been called specifically to the lowest of the low. Uh, and again, we, we've seen Jesus spend a considerable amount of time in the poor. Okay, I'm just going to move on. And so our backstory as a, as a church is we've just been caught with Jesus's ministry to the poor. So as a church, we are going to be as compassionate as we can. We're, we're going to try and be as, as a compassionate church as we can, because we'd rather make a difference in our community than just get bums on seats. Uh, if we're on that. Like Bib said earlier, we, we have this picture. Ten, in ten years' time, uh, people who are depressed, or they were sick, or they needed a job, or they've been abused, or, 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 or. Uh, they needed to find God. That in 10 years' time in our communities, they would say, oh, we, we can go to the vineyard, we can go to the church, because they, they know what, they, they've been there for us as a community. Uh, we'd rather do that than put on good meetings, uh, if, if we're honest, if we're honest. So we want to be a compassionate church. And uh, over the last six months, I felt as though, as we started this church, I felt as though my story in following Jesus has been... Jesus grabbing my hand and taking me from one kind of awkward moment 
to another awkward moment. <laughs> another awkward moment. And he's been telling, he's been sort of showing me that about that there's awesome things that happen in your awkward moments. <laughs> and um, for those of you who've been around us the last few months, we've definitely had a few awkward moments as well. Uh, and so about ten days ago, seven ten days ago, I ordered some new giveaway cards if we're doing healing on the streets or other activities, you know, in a job club and so I ordered this, I ordered a thousand of these cards just to give away. And they came back, they got delivered on Wednesday, and they were, so most of them were wrong, they'd been printed wrongly. And I was a little bit grumpy, because we really wanted them for yesterday when we started our healing on the streets. And so I rang up the, this, big, this big printing company and their call centre and uh, I was really grumpy. I just wanted a quick phone call. I didn't want to go through hassle, and I knew what we didn't have. And so I called, called on Thursday to get the correct one. And I, and I spoke to, I'm going to call him Zahir, and he was somewhere in the world. And uh, I needed, uh, and he was, he was actually really helpful. And we had a bit of a banter, because we talked about business card holders, and why... Anyway, anyway, that's another story. <laughs> but I wanted this call done quickly uh, because I had another conversation, I, a Skype conversation I had earlier. And as he began looking at the order, he saw like the church, and he was like, I, I, I thought the church in the UK was declining. Why is there a new church? And so we just began telling him, telling him and he was asking me about my story. He said, well, why are you... Why are you one of the leaders in the church? What's, what's your story about? How did you become a Christian? Have you always been a Christian? He, kept, he was pummeling me with all these questions. And so we are, we're on the call. It's been, it was really awkward. <laughs> it was really awkward. And for about 40 minutes, we're on the call. And about halfway through, I just thought, I'm, I'm just going to... I wanted a short call, but... Okay, let's, let's just go. Like, Jesus is taking me into another awkward moment. And towards... Uh, and he was asking me all, all kinds of questions. And towards the end of the conversation, I said to Zahir, something that I've learned that can change people's lives in a, in a moment. And there's seven words that I've learned that, that you can use. Any one of us can do this, can say this. It, it's got the power to change someone's lives forever. So you might want to memorise it, make a note of it. Some of us are tweeters, so you can tweet this. Um, the seven words are, can I pray for you right now? Can I pray for you right now? Seven words that I've learned has got the power to change someone's lives forever. And so I said to him, Zahir, can I, can I pray for you right now? And he said, yeah, okay. And so we're having this prayer with this random call centre guy. Um, and I'm just saying things about him and... We had a good time of prayer. And then at the end he said, can I, can I email you? I've got lots and lots of questions. Can I email you some questions? I was like, yeah, sure, sure. And so on Friday he sent me this question. And he said, um, he said, where is Jesus? That was his question. Where, where is Jesus? And I thought it was a fantastic question. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone's ever asked me that directly. Where is Jesus? But again, God's story is all about Jesus, and it's, the, and, it's the, and it's Jesus is the question. And I believe Jesus is the biggest question to answer. Was he alive? Did he say the things that he did? And particularly the things that he said about himself. Did he, did he actually say that? Did he do the things he did? Did he actually heal? 
those 100,000 people. Did he die? Was he raised again? Did he ascend to heaven? Did, did that actually happen? And so I thought it would be quite fun to hear what you thought. And so what I'm going to ask you to do, again, another awkward moment. It's fine. It's all good. I thought what we could do is get into groups, just where you are, in threes and fours, and just answer the question, where do you think Jesus is? Where do you think Jesus is? Now, there's only one rule to this. Uh, make sure you're not the only one speaking. That's just my only proviso. There's going to be a group of people, and some of us, we like the sound of our own voices, don't we? Let's be honest. Um, make sure that everyone has an opportunity to talk, even if 